0: We are excited to start this new series this morning, The Gospel According to David. Just excited. Um, and what this is about, is about uh, uh, looking at the life of David. He was one of the greatest kings of all times, and yet he was normal, just like you and me. I mean, just completely a normal kid. And so we're going to look at his life over the next several weeks and uh, look at the Bible and then make application to our own personal life. So as you hear these messages, understand he's just like we are. And God can take uh, his life and all the stuff he went through, even though he was a great man, he was a great sinner. All right? Great king, great sinner. Made some huge mistakes. And, of course, that's just like us too. Amen? Amen. Just like us. And yet God used him. And so we're going to talk this morning, if you open your Bibles to... Uh, um, Samuel chapter 16, we're going to look at a man after God's own heart, all right? David is a man after God's, we're going to talk about how to develop that heart, all right? And so we're going to begin where the scripture begins talking about David in chapter 16, but let's let's look back at chapter 15, Uh, you can just look at your notes, Uh, in chapter 15 is where we have Saul, the first king of Israel. And, uh, and this is very important. He was a tall man. He was a military man. And yet saw, and listen very carefully, he was rejected by God being king of Israel. Now, God ripped the kingdom from him, but he didn't lose the kingdom at that time. But God ripped the kingdom. Now, this is important. There's a reason why God did that, because he partially obeyed God. Did you catch that? He partially obeyed God. In other words, God gave him a command to, to go up to the Midianites and, and, but anyway, gave, gave him all the things and he disobeyed, but he kept continually disobeyed God and only obeyed partially. You want to know sometimes why your life is not being blessed, maybe it's because you're partially obeying God. You know what you should be doing, but you're not. You're only partially obeying. Make sure you make application to that. Chapter 15, go back and study that and read that about Saul. Then we jump on to chapter 16. Look at verse 1 with me. Get your phones out, your electronic devices, and look with me at Joshua, or Samuel chapter 1, or chapter 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So notice the prophet, who is a great prophet, was bawling his eyes out, crying, mourning, because God did this. God jerked the kingdom away from Saul, and he was upset about it. And so God said, hey, you've cried long enough. Fill your flask with olive oil. Go to Bethlehem and find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be, now notice this, my king. All right, that's important. He selected one of Jesse's sons to be king. And so then as you go on down through here, uh, Samuel goes to Bethlehem, and he's going to sacrifice, and he calls Jesse and says, I want you to bring your sons over here to meet me, and I'm going to anoint one of your sons as the future king. And so Jesse, of course, meets him there, brings his son. He probably texted him, right? Said, meet me there. So he comes over and he lines up his sons because nobody knows exactly who's going to be king. One of his sons. Even Samuel doesn't know who's going to be selected. God's going to tell him as soon as he walks before him. So we see in verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed He was a big man. Surely this is the future king. Now this is the prophet. This is the man of God. And by instant sight, he says that. Now look at the next verse, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or his height. Did you catch that? He says, I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see things. People judge by the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. We could preach for a long time right there. Amen? Because we judge according to the heart, or according to the appearance. But the Lord does not. All right? Look at verse uh, 10. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. So, so get the picture in your mind. Samuel comes, and he's ready to does his sacrifice, and then he brings the first one, and says, "Yes, this is the one." The Lord says, "No." The next one passes by, yes, the Lord says, "No." This continues. Now, can you imagine after the last one passed by the silence that was going on? Now, think about this. Jesse brought all his sons. Samuel's sinking. And when the last one goes by, Jesse doesn't say a word. Doesn't say a word. The prophet has to pipe up because notice what the next verse says. Verse 11. Then Samuel asked, hey, hey, dude, is this the last one? Is there any more? Oh, uh, oh, I forgot. Yeah, we have a tiny little boy still out tending to the sheep. That's exactly Oh, it didn't even dawn on me that David might be the anointed. The shepherd. No, it didn't even dawn on me that maybe the shepherd might be the future king. Just a side note, and this is a song, okay? If you've never heard it, it's fantastic. Others may see a shepherd, but God may see a king. Others may see a poor shepherd. Little shepherd, but God sees the heart, and he sees the future king. That's, that's powerful. That's not what we're going to preach on, but that's powerful. Amen? The idea. So what I want to do this morning, in seven minutes, impossible. Just let me tell you right now, it's impossible. Okay? Just, I'm just, Josh, amen? We don't even care about time, do we? Amen. So as it gets like a 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, you just keep saying, Amen, Fleener. Keep going, baby. Okay? <laughs> I'm kidding. So what I want to preach about is, is how to develop a heart after God. But how I'm going to do it is I'm going to talk about, if you notice your notes there, I'm going to talk about the poisons that destroy a heart for God. And then I want to talk about the remedy for those poisons to develop that heart for God. Let me say it again. We're going to talk about the poisons first, real quickly, real briefly, and what destroys us in our lives for us having a heart for God, and then the antidote that will help us to develop that heart. Now, we're going to look at it from David's life and David's point of view and some characteristics about David. So look at your notes and follow along because this is good, good stuff. Number one, the first poison... Is success. Write that down. The first poison is success. Success can crowd our hearts with signs of accomplishment. Alright? And it can give us that sense, oh, you know, I got, I've done some stuff, I've accomplished some things. And then we begin to compare ourselves amongst other people and their success, and it makes us feel like we're doing something. And we begin to elevate ourselves. And success literally stifles, destroys that heart after God. And the, the pride begins to get involved in our life. And we begin thinking that we're a little bit better than others. Because of what we have accomplished. What we have done. We want to look good in other people's eyes. It's all about how other people perceive us. And we just go on and on and on. That literally can destroy a heart for God. The antidote is humility in spite, listen very carefully, humility in spite of success. God wants us to be successful. No doubt as we look at David. David was huge success. He was successful in tending his sheep when a lion came, he protected the the flock from the lion, he protected the flock from the bear, he He went and killed Goliath. He was successful there. He was successful in in the the leading Saul's army in battle. Never lost a battle. Matter of fact, when he came back from battle, this is what they said. They sang a song about David. Saul had killed his thousands. David had killed his 10,000. And jealousy rose in Saul's heart and drove him crazy. All right? So David was successful. So what we can learn from David, okay, we can learn that you can be successful and still have a heart for God. So how is that? It's called humility. Recognizing that success is from the grace and the mercy of God. It's not about you. It's not your accomplishments. It's recognizing, hey, this is all from God. And that it helped us to... to keep our eyes off of ourselves and keep us from really puffing ourselves up when we recognize, humility, recognize that all these things that ha- have been accomplished is from the Lord. Write in your notes, if it's not there, I can't remember if I put it there, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. I'm going to read this for you. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For what gives you the right To make such judgments. And then he says this. What do you have that God hasn't given you? Now think about that. You ask that your own question. What do I have that God hasn't given me? I have this drive to be successful. I have this talent. I can sing. Right down here, man. This kid right here, raise your hand there, brother. He can sing. I was right in front of him and I was going, yes. He gets older, we're going to put him up here too. Amen? Maybe. That's not my call. But yeah, yeah, amen. All right. So where do we get all of this? So the Lord answers the question for us. In case you get too far down the road, I'm the one that accomplishes. Look what the Lord says. And if everything you have is from the Lord, the Lord answers the question, right? Everything you have your talents, your abilities, the air that you breathe, it's all from the Lord. Everything. Now then he, then he says this, why boast as if it were not a gift? <laughs> why are you boasting of the things you accomplished if really you didn't accomplish them? It was God. So, so the bottom line is This success poisons us, the things that we have, the toys. I mean, everything, it's all because of me. You know, I... And so though what happens is it, it pushes God. That heart for God, it just destroys that. So success, the antidote, is humility. Number two is selfishness. That's the second poison that destroys a heart for God. So selfishness shrinks our hearts to where there's only room for three. Me, myself, and mine. And you know how it is when you get a little selfish, you, you You know it's because you start pushing your people away. okay? People don't like to be around you because you're always talking about you and what you've succeeded, your desires. And what, what it does, it just, it just destroys this heart for God. So the, the antidote is being mindful, notice what your note know says, being mindful of the shepherd. And that's what we'll see even in the life of David. One of the great things about David is Is the Psalms. God spoke the Psalms through him. And if you read some of the Psalms. They're fantastic. It's it's almost like you can picture David on the side of a hill. And he's literally writing these songs. And focusing solely on the Lord. I mean just, just praising God. Matter of fact if you sum up David's life. It would be David inquired of the Lord. He worshipped and he lifted up the name of the Lord. Isaiah twenty six three says this. I'm going to quote it from King James. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, because your mind is stayed on him, because you trust in him. So, when our focus is on the Lord and all His greatness, as David was. Con- praising the lord as we focus on his greatness then we understand that he's trustworthy and we place our trust and then what happens we have this awesome peace that passeth understanding as we focus on our god the self-centeredness is gone that destroys the heart for god number two number three slothfulness Slothfulness dries up the heart within ca- in activity and laziness and lack of service. It's the heart is like love; it functions to maximum capacity as it pumps out service for others. The antidote is being available in service. David was available to the Lord. He'd show up in the was like, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm, I, I'm reporting for duty. What do you want me to do? I mean, David was the king. He could make up any law he wanted, and everybody had to follow. But he didn't. He followed the law of God. And that's what made him so, so effective and so blessed is that. So the antidote has been available for service. I want to go to Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Let's put that up there. But the Lord removed Saul, replaced him with David. Now notice this. A man about whom God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man who is after my own heart. Now notice why he chose him. He will do everything I want him to do. Right? He's a man after God's own heart. And God chose him because he's going to obey, he's going to get involved in service and give his life, as we're going to see in a short moment, he's going to give his life to others in service. That's what Acts 13, 36. Put that verse 36 up there. This is not a reference to David. For after David had done the will of God in his own generation, now, now, many of the most of the other translations says, For after David had served his generation. Then he went on on home to be with the Lord. So think about it. He he did the will of God in his generation. He served. He was an instrument which God flowed and touched other people's life. That's that's a man after God's own heart. Or a woman after God is a person that shows up for service, to do something. My mother-in-law had uh, bypass surgery several years ago. And um, they brought us in this room and they showed us a video of the actual event, not her event, but showing us so that we'd know what's going on and what to expect. And so they showed us that video. And then after she had the surgery, she brought, they brought us all in before she was dismissed. And she said, they said, now she has to exercise. And then he began to, and I can't tell all, but he said, there's a lot of little blood vessels that go to the heart. And I can't remember if he said hundreds or thousands or what it was, but there's a lot of them going to the heart. He said there's some big ones, and and we did some work on those and replaced them and and did bypass, but there's a bunch of little ones that if she exercises, all those little veins will pump more. They'll come alive, and they'll pump more blood to the heart so it can be more effective. But that only happens as you serve, as you get involved, as you exercise. Let's adapt that to here. We have a heart for God, but we're focused on ourselves and not on others. And we get lazy when it comes to serving God and serving others. Then those little veins dry up. And that, 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 that blood that supports life, the, 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 the juices, the, the, the Word of God that, that, and the Holy Spirit, you know, pumping in us, it's max capacity as we're serving others. But as we say no, we pull back and we serve ourselves and only ourselves, and we only do it on Sunday morning rather than serving our neighbors. Those vessels dry up. And then your hunger for God, your thirst for God, all that's gone. The antidote is service. Be available. Number four, the poison is sin. Destroys our heart for God. It hardens the heart to the things that really matter in life. Read your notes there. The heart becomes blackened like a chain smoker's lung that separates it from the source of God himself. Now think about that. Sin separates us. That's why I love David. The antidote is he he was a repentant of sin. He was a repenter. He was definitely a great sinner, but he was a great repenter. That means... A change of mind, which always leads to a change of action. Now, David is described in the Bible as ordinary. That's what I love about the Bible. It always tells us the truth about people. It shows the wart on their nose. It shows their crooked toes. I mean, it just, it just paints paints them exactly the way they are. But David was a great sinner, but he was a great repenter. And so we need to understand we're going to fall flat on our face, not try to be legalistic and try to be perfect. This teaches us you can, you can be a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart and not have to be perfect. That's us. That's you. That's me. Okay? This is a picture of David in the beginning. All right? Number five. And this is a big one. Stress. Stress is a poison that breaks the heart in pieces. I mean, it it places unnecessary demands on the heart, and the strongest heart will crush under this pressure. Why? Because it fails to recognize that there's a power available to us to deal with this stress. We weren't made to bear under the load of stress. And so what's going to happen? That heart for God will crumble. Why? Because it's like, God, why? When when we have somebody, the Bible says, casting all your care upon him. For he what? He cares for us. So we bear this up and we begin to compare ourselves. How hookah they don't have all this stress? Right? Amen? Anybody like that? Am I the only one like that? That I think I'm the only preacher that has this stress. This load. David. you talk talking about stress. Think of David's stress. We'll be down here in just a second. Well, a few, few five-minute segments. All right? Think about David's stress. As a 15-year-old, his dad overlooked him. Didn't even call him. His dad preferred his brothers over him. Didn't even care. And then all of a sudden, He comes to bring lunch to his brothers, and his brothers are gnashing at him. That's nothing. David becomes a parent. You think you have family problems? No, not compared to David. I mean, David's son raped his daughter. He raped his sister. And then his other brothers got mad and killed him. That's just a small portion of the struggles and the stress that David went through. But he understood that God is powerful enough to handle that and that he's not equipped to deal with that. So he was able to have continued to develop his heart for God as he cast all those things off because we will crumble under the load. David's philosophy in life was this. I pray. I trust. No matter what happens, I keep going. I keep serving. I keep living for the Lord. I pray about all this stuff. I trust about all this stuff. And I keep going. I don't stop. This one thing I do, reaching forth unto those things which you before, pressing on and forgetting these things which are behind. I press. Because these things behind, they're there to do what? Trip us up. And to destroy that heart for God that all of us so desire to have. I want to fall in love with the Lord, but it just doesn't seem like... It's because these poisons, they're destroying it. All of us long to have this relationship with God, and this relationship with, with His Spirit, and this relationship with others. We all long for that. The Spirit inside of us longs for that. But the poison destroys us going forward. So the poisons are success, selfishness, slothfulness, sin, and stress. That's the poisons that keep us from being like David, a man after God's own heart. So in your notes of the antidote, be humble, be mindful of the Lord, be available, be repentant, be trusting in the Savior. These are antidotes. For your life. So that you can... And I wanted to preach this this morning because it's the very beginning. When God anointed David, the first thing he thought of, this 15-year-old, 15-year-old, has a heart like mine. 15-year-old. So let's take care of these... These poisons, let's, let's inject in our lives these antidotes that will rescue us and give us a heart for God. Let's all stand and bow our heads this morning. <clears throat> heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's just be honest this morning with the Lord. I, I, I know that we, we kind of ran through this fantastic stuff this morning. But maybe you're here. And you'd say, Brother Tim, I am stressed. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one look. Great. Preacher, I am stressed. And that poison is trying to destroy me and my heart for God. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If if that's you, my friend, can can you just lift up your hand and say, Brother, pray for me? I will if you let me just lift up your hand. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Just keep them up for a second. Yes, keep them up. Amen. Yes, hand, hands all over. Amen. You may put them down. You may put them down. A lot of people. Yes, thank you for that hand. You may put it down. A lot of people here are going through some things, and Satan is throwing this poison at you. Maybe maybe you're here this morning, and and you you've got a taste, a little taste of success, and, and and you're struggling with that. And you can you can see now as we talk about it, but that David was humble. And you say, preacher, would you pray for me as I I, I, I taste a little bit of sickness. I don't want this to go to my head. I, want it to, I don't want this to keep me from having that heart for God. Just raise your hand. No one's looking, just me. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else to say, Brother Tim, pray for me. I will if you let me. may put it down. Anybody else? This is an area I struggle with. How about slothfulness? If this is you, and, and, and you you struggle in jumping in real life and, and getting involved, and, and you're struggling with that, but you want those opportunities to be available for God, to see what God can do. Anybody like that this morning? Lift up your hand, and I'll pray for you. Yes. Anybody else? Amen. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Maybe there's sin, and we can conclude to this selfishness. Maybe there's sin in your life, and, and you know that it's poisoning you, and you know you need to repent. You say, Brother Tim, pray for me. I will if you let me. No one looking around. Just lift up your hand and say, Brother, I got I got some things in my life, yes, thank you. you may put it down. I got some things in my life, yes, thank you. you. May put it down. I need to deal with, yes, thank you. Anybody else real quickly? Yes, thank you. There's some things in my life, several people this morning, yes, thank you. you, may put it down. Anybody else real quickly before we go to the Lord in prayer? You want to be included this morning? God knows. Father, we come to you this morning in the name of your Son. I know we we barely got a glimpse of the life of David, but that one verse just keeps ringing in our ears that you chose him because he had a heart like yours. He was a man after God's own heart. He had a heart like yours. And the reason he did is because you knew that he was going to obey all those things. Father, I pray this morning for these that are here that raised their hand, especially so many this morning that are feeling the stress. But, Father, I also pray for those that are in sin and selfishness. One one here struggling with success. Father, I pray this morning for all of these. God, I just pray that you would just reach down as we begin to look at the life of David and and you do a miracle in our hearts so that we can be we can begin like David, a man after your own heart. Yet he was normal, just like us. I pray for each and every hand that your spirit would begin to move and you'd begin to work and you would help them to grab a hold of First Timothy 1.7, casting all our care upon you, for you careth for them. God, I pray this morning, help them make application. Take that verse and put it to work. And Father, we'll give you the praise and all the glory for everything you accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated just for a second, and then we will dismiss you. As we sing the last song. What's that song? He is good. Amen. Okay. Is that the song he's going to sing? Yeah, Amen. You were. You were. Amen. Okay. So if we have some, we're not going to have an invitation, but we want some lights up here. If you can get it up a little bit more up here, because we have a family that wants to join real life church. Can you believe that? Amen. So brother, come on up here. You and your family. Uh, we have cricket, PJ, Phil, and Ashley coming to join the church. You stand right here this morning. And we're going to be, we're going to have a word of prayer for this family there. They want to jump in serving. Isn't that good? We're excited about that. And uh, so we're going to, we're going to have a word of prayer and then we're going to, uh, oh yeah, we need to do the offering. Yeah. Okay. This will be the offering for the church, but let's pray. And, and, As I'm praying, you guys come ahead and stand up here, if you will. Father, we just thank you so much for this family that wants to come and join. Father, I pray that you would put your hands upon them as they begin uh, to get involved in the ministry here, Lord, and and really want to serve you through real life to touch this body and also the people around uh, this body, Father, and the city. So I pray you would just empower them strengthen them encourage them let them know how much we appreciate them and help us to work together as a functioning healthy body and father we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory bless this offering in jesus name we pray amen